The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island WGBD. I'm Andy Sugum. I'll be your host tonight on this Sunday evening, February 19th, 2023. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And if you don't already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. So, it's February. February is a kind of a tough month, especially when you're talking about the middle of February. You know, the first couple weeks of February, it's easy because you got the Super Bowl to talk about. You've got that, I mean, that's your biggest story. After the Super Bowl ends, you've got about six weeks where nothing is happening. You have the regular season in the NBA, which, let's be honest, nobody cares about. And all that matters is the playoffs, and we all know that the Warriors and the Celtics or the Bucks are going to wind up playing in the NBA Finals. You have the NHL regular season, which it's a neat sport. I enjoy it. Most people couldn't tell you anybody on the Rangers right now. And there's still 25 games before they hit the playoffs, which, you know, then we, then we get to the most exciting playoffs in sports, in my opinion. Baseball season doesn't start for another month and a half. Pitchers and catchers are down in Florida and Arizona, which is awesome, but they're not playing games yet. You know, the rest, the rest of the team is just start, starting to trickle in. The Yankees had on their Instagram story the guys like Rizzo and Peraza and Judge and Stan. They're all starting to make their way in. But they're not even playing the exhibition games yet. So there's really nothing to talk about there. As long as nobody suffered any catastrophic injuries in the last three hours. So when it comes to February, what, what do you go with? And as I was setting up the show today, I had to, I had to kind of sit and think about it for a minute. Because I really wasn't sure. I sure I, you could bring up the XFL for the third time, or you know the USFL is coming back in April or May. You could you could talk about that. You know, trying to find some filler. But there's always a story when it comes to the NFL, and God bless the NFL for this. Because even though. New York Jets went seven and ten. They're still part of one of the biggest storylines of the offseason. Because why wouldn't they be? And and it's and this time it's actually for something that's sort of okay. And not because the Jets are just being the same old Jets. But it's no secret now that Zach Wilson will not be playing quarterback for the Jets in 2023. If he is, something went seriously wrong. Or maybe he learned voodoo and figured out how to stick a pin in the quarterback, who whoever the Jets bring in, and figure out how to hurt them so that way he could play. But since I don't think he's done that yet, and I hope he hasn't, he's not playing as a starting quarterback for the New York Jets next season. 
So the Jets are at a bit of a crossroads when it comes to that. They have a team that's ready to compete now. They draft last year alone. They drafted three players who could continue rookie of the year, two of them who won. And one of them who definitely would have won if he didn't get hurt. And I still can I still contend that Brees Hall should be the unanimous MVP of the league. No, and that's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes at all. Congratulations to him on winning his second Super Bowl. But the New York Jets offense stopped the second he got hurt. So I would say that if that's not the most valuable player, I don't know what is. So right now, they need a quarterback to put it all together. Because they, they've got the horses to compete. I mean, they, they were seven and four with running out Mike White, Zach Wilson, and Joe Flacco for the, for the first 12 weeks of the season. And they were seven and four. So, this team can win, despite bad quarterback play. So now think of what they can do with good quarterback play. Which is something the Jets haven't seen in a long, long time. Some would say since Namath. Some might say since O'Brien, I say since Pennington, but that's just me. Now, there's several options that the Jets can choose from. And of course, you know, you have your, the big shiny Corvette in Aaron Rodgers, your, your 1965 Corvette with the, with the nice, nice paint job, new engine. You know, somebody, somebody took a lot of time to make that car look nice so they could sell it at auction. And you got Derek Carr. Pun completely intended with the whole Corvette analogy for Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr is coming off some decent seasons. He's only, he's only played in the playoffs once. You know, he's getting, he's getting run out of Vegas. You know, they're, they're looking to go in a different direction. He's only 32. He's, he's still, he's still got some juice left in that arm. So those are your two biggest options because as much as I would like to see Lamar Jackson come to the New York Jets, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see the I don't see the Ravens letting him go. I don't see him I don't see him coming to New York uh, not at what I imagine is going to be a forty million plus dollar price tag. So once once we once we scratch him off, I I, I look at Aaron Rodgers versus Derek Carr. Those are going to be your two biggest choices. For Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and the New York Jets. And you, and you go on to, you go on to social media, you go on to the fan pages. It seems like there's two very different camps here. It's, you have either the Aaron Rodgers or bust category, or you have Derek Carr because who knows what the hell Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I mean, he's currently right now, Sitting in a darkness retreat somewhere, and aside from the fact that, like, the idea of that whole sensory deprivation is is somewhat interesting, because apparently people see things and they get a lot of cla- like mental clarity. I don't fully understand it because I'm not a shrink, and I I know me. I would have I would be panicking within the first five minutes because that's just the idea of it. While fascinating, also freaks me out. So, Aaron Rodgers doing his thing, like, it's a, it's a little weird, but if it works for him, it works for him. And if some people would say, go after Carr, because you don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do once he, once he sees the light, figuratively and literally. 
I'm Team Rogers personally, but not Rogers or Bust. I I would be very okay with Derek Carr. Like Rogers to me is the better option because he's won a Super Bowl. He's a he's won two MVPs in the last three seasons. Like he can clearly still play the game, and then put him on a team with young weapons like Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Elijah Moore. I'm very I'm very excited to see what could entail from that. But I also believe that if Carr's available and wants to play for the Jets, that has to be your guy. Because while I do want Rodgers, I would rather have Derek Carr and wonder what if with Aaron Rodgers than not get Carr and not get Rodgers and then be stuck with whatever's left. Derek Carr met with Jet Management and the coaching staff this weekend. And I'm of the belief that if he, if they believe he's the right fit, that they should, that they should make it known to him. And once the Raiders cut him in a couple of weeks, make that first move. You know, don't, don't wait out Aaron Rodgers. Unless Aaron Rodgers is going to come out in, tomorrow and say, you know what, I've, what I learned in the darkness was that I need to play for the New York Jets and bring a Super Bowl to MetLife Stadium, then okay, go for it. But unless he outright says that and forces the Packers' hand to trade him to the Jets, they cannot let an opportunity like Derek Carr go away. And furthermore, and this is the part that scares me, as it should probably every Jet fan, if they lose Derek Carr because they went all in on Rodgers, and then Aaron Rodgers decides to either stay in Green Bay or decides he wants to get traded elsewhere to, like, Tennessee or, or Vegas or where, wherever else he might want to go, and he doesn't wind up with the New York Jets, that's going to be a huge problem. Because then you're talking the next tier down. You're talking Jimmy Garoppolo. Who he wins. He's he's a good game manager. He wins games. He gets to the playoffs. He loses it. He loses in the NFC Championship game. Uh, that may just be a 49ers thing, but he gets there. But he he's not he's not the sexy pick. He gets hurt a lot, and that that's something that you don't necessarily want to deal with, especially when the Jets still need to fix up their offensive line some. And having an injury-prone quarterback behind a shoddy offensive line is just a recipe for disaster. So you got to be careful with that. You could be looking at Ryan Tannehill. Would, would not be a bad choice by any stretch. Tannehill is a serviceable NFL quarterback. The Jets would have been a playoff team last year with Ryan Tannehill under center. I, and I fully, 100% believe that. But that would feel like settling. When you have when you have better options out there, and you wind up with Ryan Tannehill, that's not exactly what you're looking for. And again, that's not a knock on Tannehill. He's he's a solid quarterback, and once he got away from Adam Gaze, just like everybody else who got away from Adam Gaze, he played well. But that that's a discussion for three years ago, Andy. That I just don't, I don't want to have, because then I'm gonna go I'm gonna go down a bad path with the Captain Crazy guys. But you know, if they, if they wind up settling with 
Garoppolo or Tannehill, most of the fans aren't going to like it because they they had their sights set on one of the one of the other two, and you know, of course, there has the interest has to be mutual. You know, we as fans could want Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, all we want, but if and the Jets organization might want those guys, but if the player doesn't want the Jets. Then it's all moot because no amount. I mean, maybe there is a just like the million dollar man says. Maybe everybody does really have a price, and if you pay and you pay enough, you'll you'll get the guy. But you know, you're not talking about somebody who wants to be there. When it comes down to it, General Manager Joe Douglas has to get this right. He there is no ifs ands or buts about it. He has to get this one right. Because first chance he got to draft the quarterback, he failed miserably. And it and it sucks because we all wanted Zach Wilson to be good. They wanted Zach Wilson to be good. So that way they wouldn't they could build around him while he's still on his rookie contract and they could get something done. But he hasn't shown it to you yet and I don't know if he ever will. So now they have to go to veteran route, even if it is just for two years and, and then then you go draft the quarterback in two, three years. You built a solid foundation. You know, you want you want to talk about how Beckton can't Kai Beckton can't stay healthy. Yeah, not not good. Zach Wilson not being good. Yeah, that's a problem. But you look at some of the you look at some of these other skill position players he's drafted over the years. He drafted Elijah Vera Tucker who's who's been solid when healthy. He drafted Gary Wilson wins rookie of the year. He drafts Sauce rookie of the year. Drafts Brees Hall. Again, like I said, the opening of the show, my opinion, unanimous MVP, that's just me. Like, he's got good pedigree players who contributed to the successes of the New York Jets this past season. Now, he's got to find the piece that brings it all together. The guy that's going to go under center, take this young team and say, you know what, everything's going to be okay, here's what we're going to do, and here's why we're going to do it. And why we're going to do it well. And if it doesn't work, and he and he swings and misses again, heads are going to roll. It's been twelve years since the Jets made the playoffs. Twelve long years. Not something that, as Jets fans, you want to be talking about. Because assuming the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs this year, which it's looking pretty good over there, the Jets will have the longest active playoff drought. In all of the big four. Like more more so than the Browns. More so than the Pittsburgh Pirates. It will be the New York Jets. And we don't want that. I mean, it's probably going to happen. But they got to make the playoffs sometime soon. Because if they don't, Joe Douglas is going to get fired. Robert Sala is going to get fired. And they're going to have to start all over again. And then once they do start over, all over again, New New regime's gonna want to draft their own quarterback. Then, when they're rebuilding again, Garrett Wilson's gonna want to get traded. Elijah Moore's gonna want to get traded again. And all these skill position players that they've built up are gonna want to leave. And they can't have that happen. They need to make this a place that players want to stay and where free agents want to come. And that's not gonna happen without some kind of success. Now, Will Aaron Rodgers 
pun intended, see the light after he comes out of the darkness? I don't know. Maybe the voices that he's hearing in, in this darkness are true, which I, I imagine people see and hear things that aren't actually there. But, you know, that whole sensory deprivation, you things happen. Maybe there's a voice out there that's saying, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Or, you know, maybe the Jets sent Fireman Ed to kind of just hang out in the corner to subliminally message to Aaron Rodgers, like, this is where you want to go. And the the idea of it, like, now I'm kind of thinking of, like, a movie script in my head of just Aaron Rodgers sitting in the darkness and, like, all the voices, all the voices in his head telling him what he should and shouldn't do. And it's just a very interesting internal struggle. And, you know, each each voice in his head, different actor or actress, just had... Just, part of it wants, wants it to be, like, a full-on drama, you know, like, Ben Kingsley shows up in that. Or part of it, it just goes straight comedy... Where it's just a sheer amount of ridiculousness, almost kind of like like The Hangover or like a Harold and Kumar type thing. I, I think I think you could go either way with that one, and either movie would be fun. Or, you know, I, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP caliber quarterback when he's healthy, when he's at his best, and that that would be the option you want. But he is thirty nine years old. It's going to cost extensive draft capital, which the Jets do have some. I mean, they have the number 13 pick in this year's draft. They still have some, they still have a couple other picks from things, picks they've acquired in trades over the last couple drafts. So they they have, they have some ability to be flexible in that. But they're also going to have to take on that $40 million cap hit. And right now the Jets have a little bit of a cap crunch. What which moves are they going to make? And not that Derek Carr is going to come cheap either. He's not. But it won't cost you the draft capital. It's just going to cost cost the Jets money for that. But they still have to figure out who's getting moved to make room for either one of them. And there's when you look at the roster, there's several candidates that jump out at you immediately that are going to be gone. Like Corey Davis, gone. And I believe that adds, that saves them $10 million. Could Braxton Berrios be cut? You know, that would, that would save them $5 million, I believe. And he did not have a good season this year. And it, it's a shame. Cause after, after the 2021 season, I had, I had said they gotta, they gotta sign him. They gotta give him his, give him whatever he wants. He was a, he was a good slot option for Zach Wilson. He, he was good on special teams. Like that's a guy you want to keep around. And build with. And this year he just bottomed out. And part of that was because Wilson was ineffective. And part of it was because Berrios was not very good on special teams. It was a complete 180 from what we saw last season. Or from 2021 going into 2022. You wanted to see him build off that and he didn't. So I don't know if he's going to get cut. Because especially because it was only like a two year contract. So you know maybe you can justify Hank keeping him around for, for one last season. Just kind of. Let them run with it. But I, I don't know what they're going to do. I could see Carl Lawson getting cut. Like that would save them about 15 million. He's coming off a decent season. He had seven, he had seven and a half sacks after blowing out his Achilles in 2021. And you know, that's a, that's a guy you would, you would like to keep around. But if you can save 15 million dollars, like 
that's that's not chump change we're talking about here. And since they have Jermaine Johnson that they drafted last season, didn't get the reps that he could have. You know, you put him out, you put him out there on the, on the edge, and let let's see what he got. You you spent a first round pick on him. You traded back into the first round to get him. So time time to see what he can do. And if that means cutting Carl Lawson, I I say so be it. You know, maybe and that's not to say you don't couldn't resign Carl Lawson cheaper in free agency. Maybe he comes back. And for me, this is an interesting one. Because I don't think they're going to cut him. I think they'll try to find a way to restructure his deal. But I, I could see C.J. Mosley being a candidate as a cap casualty. Uh, he's he's on the wrong side of 30, which is weird to say because he's like 31, 32, which, I, which is my I, that's how old I am. And I, you know, I can't even I can't even fathom being 31 and being told I'm at the end of my career. Like, 31 is, like, the prime of life. And for a professional athlete, like, they'll have their entire existence after their career ends to do what do whatever they want. They can do that without any kind of financial struggle. But it's just bizarre to me that you could call someone old at 31, 32. Like, I, just, I, I don't – like, I like to joke about that, like, when I – like, if I get up too fast and my knee, and my knee hurts – but I'm not a professional athlete. Like I can, I can make those jokes about myself. Like it's just, but to say that to somebody who's in peak physical condition at all times, to tell them that they're over the hill and that they can't play anymore, just that—that that just seems odd. And I, I, I can't fully get behind that. And because of that, this is a very important off season. You know, in addition to the cuts they have to make, they have players they need to resign. Most importantly, Quinn Williams. And I, I was reading earlier that Quinn Williams might cost them in the twenty to twenty-five million dollar range, and he had a phenomenal season. Like he was all over the field making plays. Really, a linchpin on that Jet defensive front that was pretty effective for most of the season. So if you're telling me that he that he's going to command $25 million and you're going to take on a quarterback that's going to be in the 30 to 40 range, you're talking about $60 million between two players alone. And yes, the salary cap is going up, which is good. Like they like the Jets could use every dollar they can. But you know, you want to you want to do right by your players. The ones that you drafted, the ones you developed and the ones that somehow defied the odds of judge draft horrificness, and I, I know, I, I know that's something I just made up right now, but just the Jets are notorious for horrid drafting, and you have a couple people who beat the odds, and Quinn Williams is one of them, and now now it's time to pay him. We saw we saw this issue with Darrell Revis multiple times, where he held out because he wanted more money, and he was someone who had earned every penny of it. And Quentin Williams has earned every penny of what he has coming to him as well. And I don't want to, I want to see the Jets get that done quickly. So that way, then it's over, it's out of the way, it's not a distraction to camp. And he just, and he goes. And I'm sure Quentin Williams wants that done too. Where it's just 
one too quick, and I, I don't expect it to be, you know, negotiations take time, especially when you're talking about the figures that they're going to be throwing out there. It's not like you're talking about, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five bucks and we're going to call it a day. No, like you're, you're talking about big time coin. Like that's something you need to really flush out. But he is, if there's one person the Jets signed this entire offseason, it better be him. I would also like to see them bring back his brother Quincy because you got, he was, he was a solid linebacker. You know, you can, and makes it easier for their mother because they could just, you could, they, she could just have one jersey or one team's jersey and just have both brothers. Uh, I would bring back Greg Zerline. I mean, who did, who didn't like Legatron this year? I mean, the first, the first game was a little shaky. But then after that, he really, he really came on, kicked well. I, I would say probably the best kicker they've had since Jason Myers. And that was, at, that was like a hundred years ago at this point, or it feels that way. So I, I would bring him back. Biggest thing. For other players, get Elijah Vera Tucker healthy, get Brees Hall healthy. I don't think we're going to see Brees Hall until midway through this, maybe like four or five weeks into the season. Like he was doing some of the shows during Super Bowl week and they said it looked like he was in good spirits, looked like he was, like he was alright. So like maybe he could be ready for training camp depending on how his knee responds. I would, I would love if he's back for a training camp. But ACL tears with with running backs is hard. You don't know if they're going to have the same kind of explosiveness. You don't know if they're going to have the same ability to make cuts. And so you're going to have to monitor that. And I I, I want to see Brees Hall be the Brees Hall he was before he hurt himself. That's to me that that would be gravy if he if he's if he's at that caliber. As I said earlier, I. I think Mikai Beckton's a non-factor. I could see George Fant getting released. I could potentially see Lakin Tomlinson getting released or restructured. Uh, so they're, they're gonna have pieces on the offensive line. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to work around. Barry Tucker's go, he's going back to his spot. And after that, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, you know, maybe Max Mitchell can take right tackle if his doctors are okay with it. Uh, you know, they're gonna probably have to get another, a new center. Dwayne Brown, who see, we'll see what happens with him. Maybe he retires. They may cut him. Like, if they restructure Tomlinson, hopefully he improves from this past season. And two seasons ago, he was a pro bowler. This year, not so much. And I kind of said to myself, as I was watching him, like, you didn't hear anything about him, so I was kind of hoping it was no news is good news. Wasn't really so much that it was just kind of he was very unimpressive, didn't do anything that blew you away. So they they can get some extra pieces on the offensive line, get a, get maybe some depth players out there, so that way you have some options. I think that would be very helpful because they they had they have a foundation, and now it's just a matter of getting those last couple pieces together to make to make a run. I'm really hoping that they get it right, because if they don't, I'm not ready for another really incredibly long season where things just go south. Like, like the first 12 weeks of the of the 2022 season were fun. 
even with even with Zach Wilson winning in spite of his shortcomings, I'm ready for a quarterback to win games for this team and not have it be everybody else carried him, that he is the guy who helped that he's the guy who led them to victory. So that that's that's how I feel about this. Bring me Rogers. If it's Carr, I'm okay. After that, you you kind of you're gonna have to convince me because it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of convincing if it's not one of those two. And I think a lot of fans feel the same way. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, look looking at looking at the NHL. Let's play, let's play some puck. We'll be right back. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the second half hour two of WGBB Sports Talk New York here on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. I'm Andy Suho. Before I start the second part here, always got to shout out my man Brian Graves behind the glass. Brian, how are we doing tonight? Got the thumbs up for Brian. I feel better. I, we can go. We can go forward. So before I start the second half, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, some people I, I know, Brad Danny and Joe Healy, the host of the Speak of the Devils podcast, an uh, Arizona State themed podcast. Like, as anybody who listens know, I'm an ASU guy. Love it out there. But they, their show hit one million downloads. So I want to give a big congratulations to that, to them. And if you're not following them, I highly recommend you do at SOTD podcast. And of course, follow us at WGBB Sports Talk New York. Please do that before you follow them. Follow us. And you can follow me at Andy underscore Sukov. Now that we got all that out of the way, we're going to hit the ice. I know I said at the open that there's still like 25 games left in the season and the NHL, much like the NBA regular season, not that it doesn't mean a lot, but when you're talking about an 82 game season, it's hard to be invested in every single game. But now now we're hitting the stretch run. We're hitting the last 25% of the season. And the Rangers are hot. They won, they won eight out of their last nine. And they, while they lost last night, it wasn't overtime. So they, they picked up points in in nine straight games. They're they're play and they're and they're winning against good teams. It's not like they're playing against slouches. I mean they they beat Seattle, who they're currently sitting in playoff spot in their second season. They've beaten Vancouver. They beat Edmonton in what was a wild game. Go down four one, come all the way back, win the shootout. Alexi Lafreniere scoring the winning goal. 
It was, it was nice. And th- those are the games that you want to win. And even though Igor Shosturkin not playing at the all-world level that he played at last year, and I, I, anybody who said that he was going to keep up that kind of pace is, is lying to themselves because nobody can do that. And he's still putting up decent numbers. He still has a goals against of like 2.5, I think it was like 2.58, and a save percentage of 9.14, which is nothing to sneeze at. Like, those are still fantastic numbers. Like, th- like those are, like, I, I, any, anybody that's not, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is just, it's just crazy to know that you're, that your that your goalie is putting up numbers of two point five five and nine fourteen save percent, and that's a down year. I would kill for that to be a down year on any other team. Most teams would sign up for that for those numbers in a heartbeat, and I I think that's where Rangers fans are a little bit spoiled. Like you look at even the last sixty years of Ranger goaltending, you go from Eddie Jockerman to John Davidson. To John Van Beesbrook, to Mike Richter, to Henrik Lundqvist, to Igor Shosturkin. That's a like you want to talk about a goalie a goalie lineage that is un unrivaled. That's up there. The only thing that they don't have is Stanley Cups outside of Richter. And every single one of those goalies should have had at least one. And I, I will I will take that to the grave with me. And even even with Igor having a quote down season, his backup Yara Halak, after struggling mightily at the beginning of the season, starting out 07 and one, he's come back in a big way. Where he's a reliable backup, and I was I was a little I was okay when they when the Rangers brought him in, because he's a Ranger killer, much like Anthony Beauvillier, formerly of the Islanders, now of the Vancouver Canucks, and good thing he's gone. Because now the Rangers don't have to worry about him anymore. Anytime that Yarhalak was in goal against the New York Rangers, I knew to expect a loss because that man never gave up goals against the Rangers. So then he comes to the Rangers and the beginning of the season he's awful. It's like, okay, so now you're going to be a Ranger killer in a Ranger uniform. Not good. Can't be having that. But he's, he's come on in a big way. He's start, he's winning games. He's playing much more effectively. So I have to, I have to take back what I said about him and apologize for, for throwing, for throwing crap at him at the beginning of the season. Cause he's, he's re, he's really turned around. And I, and I say that about, with Gerard Gallant too. Usually his act worse than with teams. He's, ne- he's never lasted more than three seasons with anybody. And he's midway through his second season with the Rangers. And I, I did at first think his, his act was going to start wearing thin. But, you know, they're playing well, so it, it, whatever whatever he's saying is clearly working, and just keep running with it. He's starting he started to trust the kids more. Guys like Philip Heedle, Kako Kako, Alexis Lafreniere. And, like, you look at Philip Heedle, he's been hot the last month. Seven goals, four assists since January 16th. Not Nothing to shake a stick at there. He's playing himself into a new contract, and you know that, that's where some tough decisions have to be made. So, like we saw in the last offseason, the Rangers let guys like Andrew Kopp and Frank Vitrano go so that they could sign Vincent Trocheck. 
They like Tyler Mako, who they just reacquired today from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a draft pick and Julian Gauthier, which I, I think a lot of Ranger fans are going to be happy about. You know, they they liked Tyler Mott last year. He was a, he was a good glue guy for the playoff run. Like he didn't do anything impressive. He drew some penalties. He played on the bottom six. That's that's what they were looking for after trading for Vladimir Tarasenko a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, they, they're they're looking for that guy to shore up the the bottom part of the roster, not necessarily, you know, the shiny toy that you know everybody looks at. Like you you need though for every for every toy car you get, you need you need the Lincoln Logs that are all reliable that you know that those are going to be there no matter what, because you know the toy car loses its shine. You you throw it you throw it against the wall or something. And then, you know, it's, it's done. The Lincoln Logs are the ones you always forget about, but then you, you look and, oh, there they are, and you, you build something with that. And that, that's what a guy like Tyler Mott is. And you, every team needs at least one of those people. Now the Rangers have their guy back. Uh, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, while he hasn't been amazing yet, he's been, He's got a couple goals with the Rangers. Got a couple, got a few points, and it's gonna take. It'll take some time to find a groove, but I, I think him and Artemi Panarin, centered centered by Vin, Vincent Trocheck, I think should be a good pairing. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they'll do when they get more games under the belt together. Obviously, you have Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and Jimmy Vesey playing well together. You have the boys to men line, which I I love that name. I think it's I think it's a whoever came up with it, kudos to you, because the boys to men line of Kako, Hedl, and Lafreniere has been playing much better. And then now then you put Mott back on the fourth line with Barkley Goodrow, and whoever else they may want to put out there on any given day, whether it be Vitaly Kravtsov, if he ever plays again. Or literally anybody else that they may have on their roster that they want to throw out there, I think it'll be good. And of course, on on the back end, I mean Adam Fox is just—I mean he's, in my opinion, the best defenseman in the league. I don't care what anybody says about Kale McCarr, and Kale McCarr is fan, is fantastic. But given my options, I would take Adam Fox pretty much every single time. And Keandre Miller's been playing well. I don't see any reason why this team couldn't make it out of the Eastern Conference. And the Eastern Conference is tough this year. It was tough last year, too. This year just seems even more so difficult to get out. And whoever gets out of the Eastern Conference is really going to earn it. Like last year, we, we saw the Lightning. The Rangers had the Lightning on the ropes. They were up 2-0. They were winning in Game Three, and then it just all went downhill after the after Tampa Bay tied the game, and you knew it was going to happen after that. And the Rangers lose four straight to end the season, end the season, end the series. This year, I think the Eastern Conference is even deeper. You look at the Metropolitan Division alone; they have five of the eight playoff teams, with Carolina in the division lead, the Devils in second. And the Rangers in third, and they're only they're only seven points back of of the Carolina Hurricanes, and they're nine points ahead of 
Pittsburgh and the Islanders for the wild. So it's not like the Rangers are, are in danger of falling into a wild card spot right now. And, you, and then you look at the Atlantic division where you have Boston who just, they never lose. I mean, they're, they're sitting as the best team in the league. Like nobody can beat them. And of course you have Tampa and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I put no stock in the Maple Leafs. I don't care how good they look on paper. I know they just got Ryan O'Reilly. But until they actually win a playoff series, I will bet on them to lose in the first round every single time until they don't. Because just kind of like, kind of like the New York Jets, like, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna make the wrong decisions until they don't. They don't get the benefit of the doubt. Just, so the Toronto Maple Leafs, you get no benefit of the doubt from anyone. I, Leafs fans might say, oh, this, this is the year, this is the year they're finally gonna make a run. I'll believe it when I see it. I know that Austin Matthews is a phenomenal player. I know John Tavares is great. I know Mitch Marner is excellent. But it doesn't matter. If you're going to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning again, might as well just lose in four and don't drag it out. Because the Lightning know how to win in the playoffs. We've seen it. They made it to the finals like 47 straight times. They're, they know what it takes to win in the playoffs. You don't because you keep losing. Oh, it might be, be, might be actually better off for the Leafs that they find their way into the wild card spot where they can face the Bruins or they can face the Hurricanes. So they don't have to face, they don't have to face Tampa. Maybe they'll have a better shot. Do I actually believe that? No. I don't. Like they, the Maple Leafs have their best chance playing at home in a game seven against Tampa. They'll probably lose again because that's just what, that's just what we've seen. But they may, maybe think, maybe, oh, who am I kidding? They're, that's not going to change. They're, they're going to lose in the playoffs again. But there's no reason why the Rangers should. Right now, they're slated to play the Devils in the first round of the playoffs. They can beat the Devils. Stopping Jack Hughes is going to be hard. And I, 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 when Jack Hughes came out, he, he looked like a 12 year old kid that didn't belong in the league. I've really warmed up to him over the last year or so. I, I, like, really watching him play, like, you see how good he is and what he brings to that Devils team. I've been saying for, like, three years, like, they, they're a year away. And I, I really do believe now they're, like, when I, when I said it last year, like, they're a year away, like, it's here. Like, they have a solid foundation and they have a good young core with Hughes, Nico Heischer, there's, there's something there, and they now finally have the goalie they've been looking for for like almost a decade since Martin Brodeur finally got old, and Vitek Vanacek has been phenomenal for him, and it's been rewarded by sitting in second place in in the Metropolitan Division. Like right, right now the Devils and the Rain and Rangers can't catch Carolina, but the Rangers have beaten Carolina recently. So what, and they still play them two more times. So what's to say that they can't steal a couple, couple more wins? And you know, then come the last two weeks of the season, you know, they're only two points out of the, out of a division lead and there's five games left. Maybe they can make it happen. You know, I, I like what, I like what I'm seeing from Miguel Zibanejad. The guy, he seems to be scoring in bunches right now. 
He's got 30 goals. You know, maybe he can get to 40 by the end of the season. He's got 26 games left to do it. I don't see any reason why he couldn't. But right now, the Rangers window is open. And now it's time to step through. Make that run. Get to the finals. Win it. It's been, it's been almost 30 years. Next, next year is 30 years since 1994 championship team. Fans are due. The team is due. Go get it. I think this team can. And I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. We got about 15 minutes left. We're going to switch gears to the, to the diamond because, you know, even though they're not playing games yet, pitchers and catchers did still report. And that, and that for me is fun. That, even though the groundhog saw, saw a shadow and it's going to be another six week of winter, which is still a load of crap because we all know that spring doesn't actually start until after tax season. It's still 40 degrees in the beginning of April. And, you know, you go, you go to one of those early Yankee games. It's windy. It's disgusting. It's raining. And, you may you may as well be sitting at a football game in that kind of weather. Spring doesn't begin until the middle of April. But down in Tampa, Florida, in Port St. Lucie, in Dunedin, in where every other place in Florida and everywhere in Arizona that the thirty teams are congregating right now. It's spring there. It, it, it's nice weather down there. You know, hopefully we get some of that soon. And for the, and now the Yankees and Mets have some expectations going into the season. They, they had them last year. You know, the Yankees were expected to make noise. The Mets with their new owner and, you know, all, all the acquisitions they made in the offseason, like they were expected to go somewhere. They both fell short. The Yankees lost the Astros again, which is, that's been their new thing. Mets lose to the Padres in the wild card round. And now, now we see what they're going to do this year. The Yankees bring in Carlos Rodon. They re-sign Aaron Judge, which were the two most important things they needed to do. And they succeeded in that. The Yankees lose Frankie Montas for, mostly for the most likely for the season with a shoulder injury, and that trade is looking worse and worse for Brian Cashman, who just got a new contract extension. So we'll see what they do with the fifth starter spot, whether that be Clark Schmidt or they bring in somebody during camp to see if they can they can make a play. And the Mets, like they they've got World Series aspirations. You don't bring in Justin Verlander and not think that you're ready to make a run. Yeah, they bring in Kodai Senga from, from Japan. So they, they got a, and they brought in Jose Quintana, which is a really underrated move. I, 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 I wouldn't have minded if the Yankees would have brought him in. But, you know, they're, they're ready, they're ready to jump. And it's not going to be easy in the NL East because you have the defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies who made a nice run in the postseason last year. You have the Atlanta Braves who won the World Series just two years ago. Like they're still really good. You look at the you look at the rest of the league. 
I mean, you have the Dodgers or the Dodgers. You have the Padres who out there in San Diego you got Manny Machado saying, I'm I'm leaving after the season, which and that 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 puts up a ton of bells around the league, like, okay, we we got a shot at this guy. Let let's start putting our best packages together to show Manny Machado, hey, this is what this is what we're gonna do and this is what we're gonna do to bring you in. Some t- some people would say, why why don't the Padres trade him now? Because if he's if he's gonna opt out, regardless, why would any team trade assets to get him if he's just gonna go to free agency anyway? I like I I know if I'm a general manager, I'm not making that move because, let's say I I make that trade and I trade away high value prospects, he opts out and then I don't get him. Oh, now I'm off the creek without a paddle, and I didn't even have a chance to make to make that to have that exclusive window to offer him if he's already got his heart set on opting out to get that to get the bigger payday. So while I imagine teams are going to be interested in him, and they should be, I don't see any reason why he would why he would be traded during the season. I I just don't. Like, unless something catastrophically bad happens with San Diego and everybody gets hurt and they're sitting at 51 and 77 at the trade deadline, yeah, then, then I could see it. Because then, like, they're, they're out of it. They're done. And then they can, they can just go about their merry way. But I, I don't see it happening. I see the, I see the Padres being very competitive and him sticking around there through the season, opting out, and then 30 teams can, can all go kill each other to try to get him in the offseason. But that's still months and months away. Right now we're at the beginning of the season where everybody's got optimism. Everybody is healthy with the exception of Jacob deGrom, who felt was feeling stiffness again in Texas, and I think Matt Banter kind of breathed inside. really was like, okay, like, Glad that's not a, glad that's not us again. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he's going to pitch very effectively. But that, but that is something that does set up a set up a little bit of a warning bell. Like, okay, he's hurt. He hasn't really done anything yet. Like, what, like what's going on here? You know, the Yankees have their expectations, and one of those is that their pitching is going to be better this year, and it it should be. I believe that the pitching should be better. Uh, Severino should get a full season. They even said, like, you're not pitching in the World Baseball Classic so that you can get yourself ready here. Uh, Nestor Cortez, we saw him pitch incredibly well last season. Now we'll see if he maintains it for another full season. Last season was the most innings he had pitched in his career. And now... Now we're going to see what he does with another season after that. I think he'll be fine. I mean, there's no, there's, there's nothing he did that would suggest otherwise, especially when he came in and pitched on short rest in the playoffs against Cleveland and pitched effectively. So it's clear that he can. But now we're going to see what they do in left field, whether it's going to be Aaron Hicks or Os, or Oswaldo Cabrera or whoever else it might be, any non-roster invite. That might make that might make it out of 
out of spring training. And those are the guys I like to see. You know, when when you have a guy who nobody's ever heard of or someone who's been bouncing around the league and is looking for that one last chance and they get it. Like I remember like 10, 12 years ago when some guy, some kid named Jan Hervis Solarte got made the Yankee roster out of, out of spring training. And everyone's like, who's this guy? And what did he do? He hit. Then he go he goes to San Diego and continues to play well. I, I I think he's out of the league now, but for like that, but he had like a good five or six year career just based on being a non roster invite at Yankees training camp and making the roster because he outworked everybody else and then he and then he put together a little career out of it. Or a guy or a guy like Dean Anna who had the longest nose I've ever seen in baseball history played for a couple months for the Yankees. Good for, good for you. And, and I also like watching for spring training just to see like, when did, when did so, when did fill in the blank team sign so and so? And you remember names from like three, four years ago. Like, oh, that, like that guy was good in like 2019. When did, when did he sign with the Cardinals? Or, you know, I always wonder what happened to fill in the blank. I remember doing that with Julius Chassin like five, six years ago when the Yankees had him in spring training. Like, when did he get here? And did they ever publicize that signing? Because I didn't remember and apparently they never did. So that was, that was one of those, that was one of those weird ones for me. It's all about new beginnings and what you do with them. Like, like, like watching everybody walk, walk through the Steinbrenner field this morning, it, it, it gave me a nice feeling. Knowing that just around the corner, I'm gonna turn on, I'm gonna turn on the radio while driving to work, or drive or driving wherever, and I'm gonna hear John Sterling on the air saying, "This is New York Yankees baseball," and that that that's just that's just one of those nice things at the beginning at the beginning of the year, especially when you're still a month away from March Madness, you're a month away from regular season baseball. That at least even if the games don't count. It's still for a moment, you, f- you feel like it's the spring and the summer. And then after the first spring training game, they're like, okay, you know, like, I, I don't care anymore. Skim into the regular season at the end of March. And then after that, then you're off and running. But these six weeks are just really, really long. And it's made longer when you don't have a major championship game when you don't have like if you're not a basketball or hockey fan you don't have a team to watch and as as you just as you just wait for baseball or you wait for the next football season if you're just if that's what you're doing that's that's just how it is sometimes you're looking you're just sitting there waiting for whatever is going to come Next. And before we sign off, a quick update from the NBA All-Star Game. It's at halftime, and the score is 99-92 in favor of Team Giannis. And we're going to get you a couple, get you some stats here. Uh, Lori Markinen in 13 minutes has 11 points. Donovan Mitchell has 16. Pascal Siakam has 12. And for Team LeBron... 
LeBron James has 13 points. Joel Embiid has 15. Kyrie has 18. So Kyrie and LeBron back together. Like, could we could we see any any potential where Kyrie wants to try to maneuver a move to LA in the offseason? Maybe. But like, it, like, like what? Like the NBA All Star Game to me is a joke. You know, like they just like there's no defense being played, and just nothing happens. That like I mean these two teams are gonna probably wind up scoring two hundred points each. Like to me it's not it's not basketball, it's kinda pointless. But it, it's nice to see them all have fun. It's kinda like the all star Saturday night stuff. Like wa- like watching the dunk contest and the three point shootout and seeing how creative all those guys get. That's gonna do it for me tonight. Thank you all for listening. Uh if you have your thoughts on what what you think the Jets might do, what the Rangers might do, what the Yankees, the Mets Please hit me up on Twitter at Andy underscore Sukhoff. I want to hear from you and see what you guys all think. Big shout out to my guy Brian behind the glass. And again, thank you all for listening. Have a good night. views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.